Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. You know, life is full of things that are both beautiful and hard. Amen, somebody. Sometimes all in the same moment. There, sometimes the things are, are, are simultaneously beautiful and difficult. And I don't know about you, but there, there are some days in my life I wish I could forget, and there are others that I hope I never do. There are days that I have had in my life that are defining moments, pivot points in my story, moments that I look back and, and I, I've really tried to never forget them. So much so every now and then, I replay the moments of those days in my mind because they're just special days, they're special moments. And there are many through, littered throughout my story Things that have shaped the person that stands in front of you today. Things that are, are so pivotal and so defining and, and things that happen on those days that have shaped every day since. Do y'all know the kind of days I'm talking about? Say amen, somebody. Come on. You know, and luckily in the day in which we live for the last several years, we have these phones that I know can be the devil. I know they can be a lot of evil, but they also have a camera on them. And once again, some of y'all are like, yeah, I got we need to delete some pictures, like some videos. There's, but there are some moments that we've been able to capture and hold on to, to to kind of get snapshots of that day. And what I've looked back as I look over my own life, some of the most, or the most defined, three of the most defining days of my life all happened in the month of June. It was in June of 2000 that I somehow talked this beautiful woman into marrying me. Look how young we look <laughs> and how smoking hot my wife is. I can say that in church. It's okay. That's 22 years ago, y'all. We just celebrated 22 years of marriage. I know. I know y'all, y'all thinking how lucky Ashley is. I get it. It's okay. It's okay. 22 years. I remember that day. I remember it so vividly, and it seems like it was yesterday. I remember, I remember putting on my tucks and my hands shaking so much I could barely put the cufflinks in the collar, like the, the sleeve of my shirt. I remember like trying to do all the things to get ready, and I, we were very traditionalist. I know a lot of people aren't like this anymore, but we had not seen each other all that day, and I remember standing down at the front of the church and those doors opening. Y'all know I'm a crier, so I bawled like a baby that day. First time... If, I, I, whenever I do a wedding, I tell the groom, if you don't cry when you see your bride, I'm judging you and you might go to hell. I don't, I'm just saying. Like, there's something wrong with that. Like, you, when you see your bride, come on, fellas, come on, men. Like, when you see your bride for the first, your wife sitting next to you, you better be like, yeah, uh-huh. There's just something about that moment when she, when that door opened and, and it's just been an amazing journey and she is, She's not like me. She's very calm and steady, and she brings a, just a source of peace to my life. And there's just, I remember, I remember so much about, about that day. I remember eight years later, and also in June, is when Aiden and Leah were born. And I remember that day as vivid as, as, I, 
I remember all the moments about it, and, and I remember, like, this isn't the day they were born, but just a couple of days later, just how tiny they were and how small, and just so much about that day. It was a Wednesday. It was June the 4th, 143, my daughter, 145, respectively. Leah is older, but Aiden is bigger, and so that's how it just rolled. She always say, remember, I'm your older sister, as Aiden's, like, looking down at her, like, whatever. But I remember that day. I remember every little detail about it. I remember... The first time, I remember the first time I heard Leah cry. And then I remember the look of Aiden's chest. He came out and he had some breathing issues. And so his little bitty chest was just working so hard to get air. And I remember watching the NICU nurses circle him and I could tell something was wrong. Like I, rem I remember every single bit of that moment. And of all the days of my life, those have, have shaped me maybe as much, if not more, than most others. And now, since the day that Ashley and I said I do to this one, it's been over 22 years. And in that 22 years, can I just confess that it hasn't always been the way I thought it would be? That I don't know what you had in mind when you said I do and what it would look like, but it hasn't been quite that. There are things that have happened throughout our relationship and in our marriage that have tested it, that have pushed it to its limits. And I can guarantee you there's been probably multiple times my wife thought, what have I done? There was things that I didn't understand and things that I didn't expect. And for us to make it from that day to this one, we've had to, had to overcome both. The same is also true with my kids. Nobody can prepare you to be a parent. I don't care how many conversations you have with people who do it. Until you do it, you don't know. And walking through from that day as they were just two little kids and those months of no sleep and bottles and diapers to now 14-year-olds and trying to navigate the waters of what it means to be a teenager in 2022. And the same is true about that as it is about my marriage. There have been things that I didn't understand and had to wrestle through and things I never could have expected that we had to overcome in order for us to make it here and the two of them still be alive. Those are two very important days. The other day that's a defining point in my life that happened in the month of June is the day that I accepted Jesus as my savior. Do you remember that day? Yes. You know, I know most of us remember our, our, our wedding day, and if you've been married, if you haven't, and you, you don't. If most of us who are parents, you remember those days, but do you, do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember the day that you met Jesus? And do you work as hard to remember that day as so many other days? Because as much as I love my wife and as much as I love my kids, the day that I met Jesus is a much more important and defining day in my life. If you were to put it on the hierarchy, that one goes above everything else. Do you remember the day that you met Jesus? Take, can I just take you, can I take you back in your mind to that moment? Remember where you, and it's funny in some things, you remember, you remember sights and smells and sounds. And, and, and maybe, maybe that day you were in a church and, and you remember the song that was playing as an invitation was given. If you grew up like most of us, it was the third time passed through just as I am some church folks in the room. 
It was in a church and an invitation was given and you stepped out of a pew more than likely and you walked down to an altar and somebody met with you and you prayed a prayer and things begin to shift. And, or maybe it was totally unlike that. Maybe your salvation story looks very different. But don't you know that Jesus meets people where they are no matter the room that they're in? Aren't you grateful for that? Like there's some people, some people in the room, it was in your grandmother's living room because she was the one that invested in you and poured faith into you. It wasn't your mom or your dad, it was grandma. She modeled that faith before you and told you what it was like to follow Jesus. Or maybe it was a youth pastor. Or maybe it can even happen on the 50-yard line of a football field by your football coach after practice. Because the first salvation that I can remember was Casey Harris leading a young man by the name of Jacob to Jesus on the 50-yard line of Randleman High School after practice one day. That's the first salvation that we celebrated. <laughs> but this is what I also know is true. Just like from my wedding day to this day, just like from the day my kids were born to this day, that space in between was filled with things that I had to overcome that I didn't understand and things that I had to withstand that I didn't expect. The same is true about your walk with Jesus. I don't know what you thought it would look like once you surrendered your life to Jesus, but I can probably with pretty good confidence say it's not what you thought it would be. That the places life has taken you and the ways that God has shaped you and the things that you've experienced from the day you met him to the day to this very day has been a roller coaster of things that maybe you didn't expect. This is what I know. It ain't been perfect. You didn't get up from that altar perfect. You didn't get up from that altar or from that position or walk out of that building and never make another mistake. You didn't walk out of that space knowing everything you need to know about doctrine and theology. You didn't pick up this Bible, start reading Leviticus and think, I understand every bit of this. And maybe that's why as you are in this space today, you're having a really hard time. Because when life brings things we don't understand, and takes us through things we don't expect. That's often what discourages us and can really easily derail our faith. And today is gonna be one of those moments for some people in this room that's another defining moment, the day they get baptized. There are people in this room today that are eventually in just a little while gonna go through those waters. And much of this message is for you. Because there have been people that have gone through those waters that I look at and I still see to this day. And there have been people that have gone through those waters over the 14-year history of this church, and I have no idea where they are. And sometimes I wonder if the reason why they've drifted is because somewhere along the way, walking with Jesus brought things they didn't understand and situations they didn't expect. And in that moment, they didn't know how to deal with it. And it's rocked them to their core. And they're out there somewhere just struggling to continue to believe. And what I want to unpack for you is just some things that, that I've learned from one of the first to attempt this thing called walking with Jesus. A guy named Peter. Do you know that the Bible is full of the stories of people from which we can learn a lot? <laughs> that when we look at their lives, there are things that we're supposed to, to learn. And of all the people that I can relate to that were first to follow Jesus, it's Peter. Because I, we all see a lot of Peter in ourselves. 
Because Peter was that guy that, that was, was, was hot and cold. He was bold and at times not so wise. And we get to even see his origin story. We get to see the day that his walk with Jesus begins. Go with me to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. Look at verse 18. It says, as he was walking, Jesus, as he, Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. And in that moment, on that day, Peter's life would change forever. That it's just another day in like every other day for Peter. Peter, a fisherman, he had a career, he had a life, he had a plan. And then one day while he's out doing what he did every single day, what he had probably most likely watched his father do all of his life, he would have grown up around boats, helping pull nets in out of the sea, helping sift through and sort the catch that was there. All of a sudden, this rabbi named Jesus shows up and says, hey, follow me. And I'll put you in a position where you fish for people. And in that moment, Peter's life would forever change. And now look at me. You know, we, we don't know a, a whole lot with certainty about how old Peter was and all this other kind of thing, but the more you study and think about what scholars look at, it seems like more than likely Peter was probably born around the same time Jesus was. So it would have put him about the same age as Jesus, which was around 30-ish. So at 30 years old, Peter meets Jesus and it changes his life. Fast forward, and we think that somewhere around 67 AD is when Peter would be killed for that decision to follow Jesus. So some three decades after saying, yes, I will follow, Peter is crucified upside down because of his refusal to deny Jesus like he once did. The reason why Peter was crucified upside down is because they were going to crucify him in the normal manner. But knowing that Jesus was crucified that way, he didn't feel he was worthy to die in the same manner as the one he had given his life to. And that time from when he stepped off that boat, said yes to Jesus, and to that time some three decades later where he is crucified upside down, I have no clue what went through his mind as he's hanging there, blood rushing to his head, knowing that he's about to die. But if you look over the span of his life with Jesus, there are lessons that we can learn from it so that we make it to the end. Because I don't want you to just choose Jesus. I want you to walk with him every day for the rest of your life. I don't want Jesus just to be a part of what you do on Sunday. I want Jesus to be who has your everything. But if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to do what we all have to do in order to accomplish something significant. You're gonna have to embrace and walk through things that you don't understand and overcome a false expectation of perhaps what you think it means to follow Jesus. And I hope you know you're in a place where we're just gonna be honest about that. <laughs> and the first thing you notice, and maybe you ought to write this down, it's more than an invitation to believe, it's a call to follow. That's a big distinction, church, that you need to know. That Jesus doesn't walk up to that 
boat and say, do you know who I am? Have you heard the story about how I was born in a stable from a virgin? Did you hear about me going to Egypt? Did you hear? No, he says, he didn't say, hey, I'm Jesus. Will y'all believe in me? And then walk away. He says, come on, follow me. This is, look at me, church. This thing has never been about just believing in certain rituals and rules. It's about a living, active, vibrant relationship with the living God on a day-to-day basis. Jesus never asked anybody to pray a single prayer. He asked them to die a daily death in pursuit of him. If you're going to walk with Jesus, you have to understand, it's more than just about believing that Jesus existed. It's more than just about believing he did some miracles. It's more, it's more than just about believing he died for your sins, although it's a huge part of it. It's about walking with him, following him into every place he asks you to go. Y'all with me? Another thing you're going to have to understand, that is if you're going to walk this life with Jesus that there is no living for Jesus without leaving something behind. There is no living for Jesus without leaving something behind. When they accepted that invitation to follow, the Bible says immediately they left their nets and followed them. See, we read this and act like Peter was just like, okay. Not understanding that that in their minds, there was so much they were walking away from. They were walking away from the expectation to continue the family business. They were walking away from a career that they had known their whole lives. They were walking away from so much more than we can even comprehend. And that's always what it means to follow Jesus. If you're going to live with Jesus, there are things you're going to have to leave behind. There are things you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to let go of some things in order to take hold of Jesus. There are some things that you're going to have to leave behind, some things that you like, some things that you love, some things that you might even be convinced that you need. But Jesus is going to say, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to leave that behind. Testify somebody. Y'all getting awful quiet on me now. Come on. He's going to have to leave some things behind. You're going to have to let go of some things. It might be some people. It might be some friendships. It might be some relationships. It might be the place you live. I'll never forget, before Ashley and I got married, we had to have that talk that can you be a pastor's wife talk. Because my wife grew up in the same town and everybody lives about three seconds from each other. And I said, I don't know where we're gonna live. I don't know where God's gonna call us. It's the closest we ever came to breaking up. Because it's, it's hard to say yes, I can be a pastor's wife when you really have no idea what you're saying yes to. And there have been multiple times in pursuit of Jesus in our lives together. We had had to leave some things we love behind in order to keep chasing after him. But it's been worth it every time. It's been worth it every time. Walking with Jesus and following him also means, listen, embracing things that are confusing and places that are not comfortable. Leave that up for just a second because I know it's a lot. And it means embracing things that are confusing and places that are not comfortable. Do you know how many times Peter looked at Jesus and said, huh? Go read the Gospels, man. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of how often Jesus said something and his disciples were like, what? 
Whether it be he would speak in a parable and they would have to unpack the story in order to get to the meat of the truth that was needed to transform their, form their lives, that Jesus would speak in these beautiful stories. And one time the disciple says, can you not just tell us? Like, give us the, the, the dumbed down, like, simple fisherman version of this. And Jesus has to explain, no, nah, you're going to have to learn to sift through these things because if you're really going to come after me, there's times I'm going to say things that you don't understand and you're going to have to wrestle them down till you do if you're going to keep doing life with me. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 34. It says, they understood none of these things. Nothing of what Jesus just said that they understand. And it says, the meaning of the saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. There was moments where even the Holy Spirit said, no, we've got we to work through these things. There's even a moment when Jesus says something that's so hard to swallow that the vast majority of people that had joined Peter and Andrew and his friends followed him decided they couldn't follow him anymore. There's a moment when after he feeds the 5,000, y'all remember this? And those people are following him and following him and Jesus knows like, y'all just think I did a magic trick, not a miracle in order to create belief. And he says, if you're gonna follow me, you're gonna have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, that's weird. And it says, many of them said, we can't do this. And then Jesus, look, look at it. Jesus looks at them. John chapter 6, verse 67. says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away too? Do you? And Simon answered, Lord, to whom will we go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And notice, Peter, Peter doesn't say, Jesus, we get it. Got eating blood, drinking blood, eating flesh, that we, we understand. He says, no, God, we don't really understand what you're saying, but we know that you're the only one with the answers, so we're willing to stick around and figure it out. We've seen enough to know that even though maybe your words at time challenge the very core of what we have always thought and believed, and stands in contrary to even what our emotions feel in the moment, we know whatever comes out of your mouth is right and true. And even when we don't understand it, we're gonna stick around and figure it out. Church, you're gonna have to figure that out because there's gonna be some times when you read that book and what it says to you doesn't make sense, especially in the culture in which we live. It's gonna go contrary to everything in the natural part of you wants to go. And you're gonna have to wrestle through it and embrace it, things that are confusing, and you're gonna have to step into places that are uncomfortable. Watch how often the disciples step into places that are so far outside their comfort zone, they don't even know how to handle it. The people that Jesus embraces, the lepers that he touches, the sinners that he hangs out with, it's uncomfortable, it's messy. You're gonna have to learn to embrace it, step into that place, if you're gonna keep walking with Jesus and make it to the end. But one of the things that Peter also teaches us as you look at his life and walk through his story is failure is not just possible, church, it's inevitable. Failure is not just possible, it's inevitable. See, I don't know if maybe after you prayed that prayer, you think, I'm never going to sin again. I'm good. Never going to mess up. Never going to tell a lie. Never going to be selfish. And why we had that expectation, I don't know. Because every single significant person in this book, other than Jesus, 
who was perfect and who lived the sinless life that we needed so that he could be the sacrifice necessary to pay for the mistakes that we would make? Come on, somebody. Every other one made mistakes, sinned, not just once or twice, but far more frequently than we ever really even notice. And Peter is one of those guys. He constantly didn't get it right. And if your expectation of following Jesus is you're never gonna not get it right, I don't know who brought that up to you, but can I just say, let that monkey off your back? Because everything in scripture says to me, failure is not just possible, it's inevitable. We know, we know Peter's most famous one, right? When Jesus is going to be crucified, even after Jesus has said, hey, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter said, no, uh Even if everybody else does it, Jesus, I will not fall away. And then in that moment, three times, no, nah, I don't know him. You got the wrong guy. Nope, never heard of him. Nope, it's not me. He even gets angry and offended. And then he hears that rooster crow and the guilt floods his spirit. He denied his savior after three years of watching him up close. But good thing Jesus invited him to breakfast on the beach or after the resurrection when he calls him out from fishing and they sit down on the shore and they have this meal together and he looks at Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Again, second time, Jesus says, Peter, do, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know that I love you. Third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. It's not coincidence that three times Peter denies him and three times Jesus says, do you love me? For Jesus to say, I saw all three, I heard all three, and all three are now forgiven. But see, some of us think, oh, oh that was the day he was restored and Peter did all these amazing things and, and, and Peter never messed up again after that day. First of all, we all know that's not true because we're human. We also know because if you step into Galatians, go into Galatians chapter two, because we see Paul speak to a moment years down the line, far removed from breakfast on the beach, where Peter once again has messed up, made a mistake, acted in a way that he shouldn't have acted. Look at Galatians chapter two, verse 11. Says when, but when Cephas, that's Peter, y'all, and maybe this is why you don't realize Peter made a mistake somewhere down the road. This is how Paul often refer, re, refers to his friend Peter. Says, but when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew. He separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that when Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. See, we see another time years after Peter was restored on that beach where he acts in a way that he shouldn't, follows a path contrary to what he knows he saw in Jesus, and he has to feel the rebuke from his friend, Paul. That if you're gonna walk with Jesus, you're gonna have to walk through and embrace things that you don't understand and overcome expectations that you never should have had. Failure is not just possible, it's inevitable, but here's the good news. I can fail miserably and still be used significantly. 
Because this is true about Peter, it's true about you, it was true about Moses, it was true about Paul, that I can fail miserably and still be used significantly. That Peter, Peter, even though he had these moments where Jesus had to rebuke him, he had these moments where Paul had to call him out, he had moments when he failed miserably, God still used him significantly. Y'all, Peter was the one that just a few weeks after denying Jesus, he still got to be the one God picked to step out on the day of Pentecost and preach the first gospel message. And through his sermon, God brought thousands of people to salvation. That's who our God is. Because the one thing you cannot deny as you look at the life of Peter, you look at my life, you look at your life, is it is marked by grace. It is not defined by failure. Your life is marked by grace, not defined by failure. That for all that Peter experienced and all that he walked through from the moment he stepped out of the boat and sank in the sea and had to get Jesus to rescue him to the moment he denied Jesus and had to be restored and forgiven, that his life is a flood of grace and mercy as he journeys with Jesus from start to finish. And I don't know what life has looked like between that space and when you gave your life to Jesus and when we're standing here now, but I imagine you too have had to walk through some things that you didn't understand and wrestle with it and overcome some expectations that were wrong in order to stay the course and remain with Jesus. I know Peter did, and I know I have. See, I remember that day that I accepted Jesus as vividly as I remember the day I said I do and the day I first held my kids. I made that decision right here. Those are concrete steps leading down to the pool house on the campgrounds of Victory Mountain Camp just down the road in Sofia. If you've been at our church, you've seen that picture before. And every time I go out to that camp, I was just out there this past week, I return to those steps. Sometimes I weep and sometimes I laugh and sometimes I just pray. But I remember that day, y'all. It was June of 1992. I was 14 years old, the same age as my kids right now. I was sitting in the lodge because that's where they used to have rallies now. Now they have this big shelter because there's so many more kids and something was stirring in my spirit and I just, I felt this unsettling thing in my, my heart and I don't know what song was being sung. I don't know what was being preached, but I was like, I gotta get out of this room. And I walked out and on that far side, not that first step, but that second step, I sat down and I leaned over against that wall and just kind of sat in silence for a minute and I just felt the Lord stirring in my spirit and, and y'all, I had believed in Jesus my whole life. I grew up in a pastor's home. My mom and dad, Tommy and Joanne Smith, are the most godly, Christ-like people you'll ever be around. So I had known about Jesus my whole life. But I knew in that moment that God was calling me more just to believe that he exists. He was calling me to follow him and give him every bit of my life. And I'd never done that until that moment sitting on those steps, and I said, okay, God, I'm yours. I remember the camp, theme of the camp that year was living for the moment. I still got the t-shirt somewhere. It don't fit me anymore. 
And I would love to tell you I got up from those steps and every moment from that day to this one has just been awesome. It's been full of joy and no mistakes. But two years after that moment, when I'm 16, I preached my very first sermon. And laying in my bed that night, I knew God was calling me to something in his ministry. And I refused. And for the next two years, I did everything I could to convince God I was the last person he ever wanted to stand on a platform and preach his word. And from from that moment to this one, I'll be honest with y'all, like I've had to remind myself it's more than just belief, it's following and I have to allow him in to every bit of my life. There have been multiple times God saying, if you're gonna keep going with me, you're gonna have to lay that thing down. There's been multiple moments when God has spoke something into my life where I've read his word and it didn't make sense and I had to wrestle it down and figure it out and lean into his spirit in order to find his truth, in order to stand and sometimes even stand alone. I've constantly be called out of my comfort zone to follow him into places that I didn't want to go but I knew he was leading. And I'll confess before you, I've failed more times than you want to know and still keep me as your pastor. But like Peter, I have a life, I have a story that is marked by grace, not defined by failure. Do the math. 1992 to 2022. It's my 30th birthday. My spiritual one, anyway. And today, those of you who are getting baptized, I don't know what you think this is going to look like. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. And those of you who are ready to go public with your faith and, baptize, and get baptized, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and get up out of your seat, head toward the back door to my left. There's going to be some of our staff and volunteers to meet you there to get you ready to move forward and take your next step. The rest of you, would you stand with me? You bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't know, maybe today's your moment. Maybe you're in the room and you've never said yes to Jesus' invitation to follow. And today becomes that moment. June 26, 2022 becomes the day in your story, that marker in your chapter that says, that's the day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do today. It's about first acknowledging you're a sinner in need of a savior that you haven't just made mistakes, you have sin that has separated you from God. Acknowledging that sin, confessing that sin to God, asking Jesus to forgive you and heal you and make you whole, saying you believe what he did on the cross was enough to deal with that sin in your life in order to bring you back to God. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, repent of your sins and receive his forgiveness and he makes you new. And from this day forward, it's about walking with him on a daily basis. Or maybe some of the people in the room, like somewhere along the way, you didn't understand and it wasn't what you expected, so you've been drifting further and further and further and further and further away. And today's the day that he draws you back, brings you back, and you make a new commitment to walking and following Jesus. I don't know what you need to do, but we're going to worship as we get ready to watch these go to the waters of baptism. You just pray, seek the Lord, and let him speak to your heart. Father, thank you. Move among us. Change us, challenge us, stretch us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.